Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. Are we underestimating the security threats to mobile devices and indeed the threats to mobile infrastructure? Over the last 10 years or so, mobile devices have transformed the way we work and have done so beyond all recognition. The smartphone has moved from being a useful gadget to a business essential. And the networks that support it and tie devices into corporate IT and the cloud are clearly now part of our critical national infrastructure. Nonetheless, mobile technology is often overlooked when it comes to assessing security threats. Is that oversight dangerous? Today's guest is well-placed to answer that question. Andy Brown is CTO at Mobility. His firm's been running mobile infrastructure for enterprises since 2009, and he monitors the mobile threat closely. Andy, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. So what would you say the state of play is in mobile security right now? Um, I think in, in overall, the market is one that's still evolving in some ways. Um, I think where we've got to is that um, the visibility of what is going on on the mobile estate is historically reasonably poor compared to what you're able to see on a traditional infrastructure, whether that's your network or whether, you know, as a, as a corporate network or whether that is, um, you know, your, your laptop devices and your desktop devices of old. And that because there's that lack of visibility of actually what's going on, um, aligned to that is sometimes a, an acceptance of, of risk or indeed, you know, a lack of knowledge about risk in terms of where we stand. So overall, I'd say um, the risks are growing substantially. Um, and right now, a lot of organizations are still struggling to uh, catch up in terms of their thoughts around protecting um, these types of devices. So would you say, though, that this has to some extent dropped off the agenda? If we go back maybe even before the advent of the smartphone, actually, there was quite a lot of talk about malware being spread by text message, that type of thing, very much attacks against individual devices. But we don't seem to hear that so much. And I don't know whether that's because the threat has diminished or whether it's simply been eclipsed by other risks that enterprises face. I think there's a, there's a, there's a definite sense that um, there's an awful lot of risks that an enterprise is having to look at. And clearly, they've got to both prioritise where they de deem the, the highest risks to be and where they're going to prioritise their security budget and spend and you know their effort and expertise to try and um, mitigate and control things i do think on the whole as well alongside that though actually the threats from um Mal, um, malware onto mobile devices, particularly the deployment methods that you start to think about, sort of SMS messages, WhatsApp, the explosion of WhatsApp, iMessage, and you know all the other messaging applications and um, social media applications that that are out there. That tends to be a bit of a blind spot for most organisations today. Uh, they've they've got very mature. Um, email protection, for example. So they'll be thinking really hard about, you know, phishing and how to protect their staff um, from being caught out and also, you know, actually checking the email content itself and thinking about how can we, um, you know, block as much as possible day one um, without it ever getting to in front of the user to, to do the wrong thing. On a mobile, that's just gone, you know, completely um, 
bad actors to go around the side of, of your security in effect. Um, anything that's deployed um, over an SMS message or a WhatsApp message, most organizations will be pretty blind to what's going on on the device as a result of those sort of messages. Because on the whole, unless it's a very heavily regulated area of the market, something uh, you know like a banking or government or, or somewhere like that where they're actually actively controlling uh, what messaging is going on with the device and indeed probably blocking most forms of, of messaging unless they can record and monitor and track. You know, for most companies, uh, to be honest, most enterprises, this is somewhere that uh, there'll be a bit of a blind spot for sure. So they're not necessarily looking at it at that granular level of detail. I suppose then the question is, is that leaving a hole in their security perimeter that needs to be plugged? I, I, my personal view is absolutely yes, it is. And, and you know, um, increasingly I'm talking with, you know, security people inside enterprises who are starting to agree that actually there's an argument that mobile is a bit of a soft underbelly if you're not careful, um, partly because it's just different to the way um, you do security for the rest of your your infrastructure if you like but also because users are more vulnerable on a mobile device you know the, the, the concept of being able to you know seeing an obviously dodgy url or something like that on a desktop that can get completely lost on a mobile browser for example the ability to actually spoof a person and actually you know be more targeted with phishing and smishing type attacks that, that someone will fall, fall foul of it's just much greater, I'm afraid, on a mobile operating system. And that's not necessarily a fault of the operating system itself. It's just it's a small form factor screen and users are just much more susceptible, I'm afraid, to be a bit more fat-fingered and actually just click yes on, on a mobile device. Yeah, those all important human factors. That's something we can come back to. But before we do that, if we can take maybe a step back or a step sideways and look at where the threat's originating from. So as far as you're able to see from where you are as a CTO in, in a managed service provider, do you see any evolution in who is behind the threats? And are we seeing, for example, nation states or organized crime groups taking more interest in the mobile as a way into the organization? Without a doubt. And and look, the, I think, you know, a few years back now, there was obviously quite famously the, the Jeff Bezos hack um, that was targeted at him on his mobile device. Um, and when you consider the um, you know, security resources that you know, the, the combined organizations that, that Jeff will be associated to have to bear, and the fact that, um, and obviously details are, they're, they're a little coy about exactly what happened, but you know, the, the fact is his device was compromised through what we do know is a compromised through deployment of a WhatsApp message um, attachment and then um, the bit that they are quite coy about is exactly how long there was the sort of dwell time on that on his phone was, but it potentially was quite some time before anyone actually realized there was a problem. And it wasn't actually the technology picking up a problem. It was more the fact that the, the data had been lost and it triggered alarm bells going off separately rather than... Um, um, if you like, through some detection on a threat engine or some some form of technology solution to the problem. And I think that that is a good example of the extreme end, but the extreme end is kind of where all bad actors start to race towards, if you like. So it start, you know, it started life. Obviously, Pegasus is quite quite famous now in, in many ways in terms of um, what it's done in the market for um, mobile security and mobile threat. But 
logically what it's exposed is something that's been growing for some time, which is the fact that whilst mobile operating systems themselves are fundamentally pretty secure, that and arguably are more secure than perhaps traditional desktop operating systems, in particular Windows. The, the reality is, though, that it's all code, it's all software, and it is ultimately possible to find zero-day exploits um, on these sort of operating systems. And from there, all bets are off, really, in terms of what is possible to do. Because, it, you know, logically... The, the, the risk in particular when you start talking about a smartphone is an incredibly capable spy device in some ways. So it's got the ability to, obviously, it's got a camera on it, it's got a microphone on it, and it's not very easy to see if those are enabled in the background or not. It's not very visible like the webcam on your desktop with the little light blinking in front of you. And I think that's that's kind of one area of it. But the idea that this is just nation state and it doesn't apply to us, um, I, I think, is, is is clearly a nonsense. That the reality is there is a mac there is a massive market for zero day vulnerabilities on all operating systems, including you know iOS and Android, and people will start to use those and target those for particular reasons. And, and ultimately, the more things that are found, the more things that are exposed, the price for those vulnerabilities will start to drop. And clearly, it becomes in range of all kinds of various bad actors at that point. Well, sometimes that argument, oh, it's nation states, we can't do anything about it, is used as a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? I think so. I mean, there, 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 is, there, there is that kind of classic security argument of, you know, I almost expect nation states to be trying to do this stuff. And, and that, that's kind of true. Um, but by the same token, it depends what that nation state is trying to do. If it's um, targeting um, your organization and actually causing reputational damage to your company, then clearly you've got a problem there. But yeah, the, the, the realities are that it's not like there's nation states and then everybody else and they're separate groups. That, that, you know, that this is an ecosystem where it will one will feed the other, if you like, and, and the whole will become a greater threat over time. And the techniques, to a great extent, are interchangeable anyway. So it may be a hacking group or a hacktivist group that comes up with a technique. It may be someone who comes up with a vulnerability for sale. But the fact is, there's an enterprise, if it's going to get in, it's going to do you damage wherever it originates from. Well, precisely. And and ultimately, the, the, the classic um, challenge with any kind of... Um, if you're talking about a zero-day type exploit... Clearly, we only hear about the zero-day exploits that are kind of found more by the white hat um, type organizations or that um, ultimately have been patched successfully by the software providers. What we won't be hearing about is, is the noise that goes alongside that, that is the stuff that hasn't been found yet. Very true. What about, though, the infrastructure side? Because, again, we've, we've spoken about devices, and we'll come back to devices uh, later on in this conversation. But the network itself and mm. all the parts that go with it, so from the power supply to the transmission masts to the IT to the backhaul onto the Internet, uh, all those things potentially can be vulnerable. But if you take out the mobile network, and as we've seen uh, in some of the recent events uh, over in uh, Ukraine at the moment, they are being targeted physically. If you take out that network, whether it's physically or by uh, viruses or other malware, you're potentially disrupting a lot of business processes. Yeah, completely. And, and ultimately, where you're kind of going with this particular piece is uh, very much uh, the security arguments for and against. You know, any conversation in this space will start talking about, you know, the deployment of 5G infrastructure um, and obviously the position in the market with Huawei um, core infrastructure versus other vendors, et cetera, which has got a lot of politics behind it alongside a lot of technology conversations going on also. 
Um, I think in some ways we, we we focus in sometimes on you know core network security. You know, in fairness to car- you know carriers across the globe, they do an exceptionally good job on the whole of making sure their networks are secure. And the good news story on, for me is that you know five G is actually a means of making um, the core carrier networks, if you like, even more secure than they have been before. There's there's you know more technology baked into the fundamental you know uh, interplay of the device and the network to ensure that it's much harder to try and you know spoof a carrier network or something like that if you really want to go to that sort of level it's ultimately all airwaves and it's um, potentially dangerous to think what can be done if you start thinking about jamming or taking networks out but quite frankly um that's a much much more fringe scenario than for example the fact that you know, your, your smartphone is designed to seek out and find Wi-Fi at all times. That's a much bigger risk in some ways, sort of real world risk in terms of the way it's going to, you know, if you if you connect to a, a Starbucks, you know, coffee shop Wi-Fi, whenever you walk past um, a Wi-Fi hotspot that's pushing out an SSID that's the same, your phone's just going to try and connect to it. That's actually, you know, for me, that's a much more likely, much more... Um, easy to do and indeed you know your devices are much more likely to fall foul of it so um, i think that you know the carrier level stuff you know fair play to the carriers they do an exceptionally good job the the, the actual underlying if you like infrastructure and tech technology that they use to run their networks on I, i'm i'm ultimately going to be leaving to them to make the right choices on it because you know they have to work with the technology providers that are available in the market and indeed within the regulatory frameworks they have to deal with which is a whole separate can of worms that we probably don't want to deal with here for the time being well that is very true and also it comes down to what influence you have as a cto as a cto you can influence the choice of network but you're not going to influence the choice necessarily of how that network is configured or the security measures so there's a degree of having to take their assurances at face value partly but fundamentally you have to accept the fact as well that they've gone through an awful lot of regulatory hurdles in order to be able to have the license to work in the country concerned in the first place um and you know certainly uh, you know for us here in the uk if you like that 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 fundamentally isn't the the primary security concern I'd be thinking about. I'm more concerned about um, how do I protect the endpoints that I'm deploying, i.e. my phones, and also how do I protect my users and how they interact with them far more than considering that the, the network layer security for like the carrier network itself. And of course, there are steps you can take to secure your traffic going over these networks, and you can build in redundancy by having different networks within your infrastructure. So I've come across some companies, for example, that don't use a single carrier. They they have more than one. But you mentioned 5G. And just to come back on that, because we've recently had the Mobile World Congress, you said it potentially could increase security. So how would it do that? And on the flip side, are there potentially any increases in security risks with the move to 5G? Fundamentally, you've just got to... You- You've got to allow for the fact that you know five um, G is is a if you like a blank sheet design that's that's come come through with security much more at the forefront than perhaps it was when four G came in um, you know over a well, decade over ago and obviously that was an overlay on three G technology that dates back further and further so. I think, you know, fundamentally, security is more at the heart of it. There is a lot more in terms of the cryptography between the handset and the network mast itself that makes it a lot harder for someone, even if they were really determined to, to try and intercept or get in the middle of that traffic. Um, 
that that's 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 all good and great if you like in terms of you know 5g i think the risk from 5g in many ways is going to be if you like a, a secondary risk or a byproduct of the technology itself which is the fact that you're going to have considerably the capability to have considerably more devices themselves actually on the network consuming data faster than ever before and that that creates the real risk which is ultimately what are all these devices you have out there? And, you know, if you think in terms of your office space, for example, you know, there will be IoT devices over time that build up, for example, that will be using 5G as a default connection. It's kind of baked into the unit itself. How are you actually monitoring and keeping an eye on all of that stuff is clearly something you've got to consider. But also you've got to consider that, you know, the, the devices you do know about, they'll be able to potentially lose data much quicker. Um, and that that in an, you know in itself you know if you think about video streaming and the ability for data to be lost in another form you know the network itself won't won't be the bottleneck as it were that's the risk so actually the fact that we can do more with the devices might increase the attack surface logically it will it, it will do and it will be more permanently connected than ever before and you know all the other things if you if you if you you follow the the 5G hype uh, in terms of where we're up to you know we're, we're kind of just um, just really beginning in terms of the, the capabilities of what it could well be over time, the, you know, the, the kind of ubiquitous connection that's that's always on but exceptionally performant could be really quite interesting. And, and uh, you know, as is always the case, um, bad actors will be looking at these um, opportunities just as much as, uh, you know, the, the consumers of the technology themselves. Yeah, their own R&D doesn't let up uh, even as industry moves forward with different technologies, that's for sure. The other aspect then which we need to come back to, I suppose, is the question of remote and home working. What sort of impact have we seen? What have you seen as a CTO in terms of the actual lasting impact of the changes in working behaviour? And what sort of ramifications are you detecting there for security? So you talked a little bit about when we talked about human factors and the design of the device and some of the cues that are on a desktop device not being as applicable on a mobile environment. But what else are you seeing that potentially increases the risk? There's a few things. There's a phrase we use over here that, that that's quite common, which is kind of mobile is a bit of a signpost to the future. Um, it was never really designed to live on a corporate network in the first place. And indeed, you know, a lot of the challenges that enterprises had when they first started thinking about mobile um, in terms of, you know, how do you make it fit the corporate world? We're challenged by the fact it's designed to be an internet connected um, endpoint. It's designed to be um, always connected. It's designed to be moving around. Um, and it doesn't really, you know, even understand the concept of a private network. So uh, there's that element to it that then starts to mushroom out as laptops themselves truly and indeed, you know, all corporate endpoints increasingly start to become more like a mobile device. So one of the, the, you know, the lasting changes, I think, from pandemic has been the fact that there is a, there has been a rapid shift towards, you know, carry your computer around and, and laptops increasingly being considered um, as, as a giant mobile phone, if you like, in terms of the way they're going to be managed, deployed, um, and maintained on an ongoing basis. You know, this is this is kind of the direction in the market as well. You know, the way Microsoft, for example, is starting to move towards more of a an out of the box experience that mirrors a mobile phone. I.e., you, you take it, you turn it on, 
and you activate it and you're away and going rather than the, you know, the traditional um, buyer box, um, flatten it, re-image it, IT control it, and then hand it over to the, to the end user in a built state. So the, the, there's a whole, whole, whole raft of things that, that have come out of that. Clearly what's also happening is um, the pandemic drove cloud adoption massively so you know the, the the cloud for one of the you know it's kind of a, as an umbrella term helped drive the pandemic response so you know the rapid adoption of video collaboration tools you know zoom and teams and everything else in the market um, and that tipping point for cloud SaaS adoption is also um, now starting to be reflected in terms of um, where is data? How does where does it reside? How do you get access to it? And as with all things in the security space, bad actors are starting to react to that in terms of right. How do we target um, what we want to get out of an organisation? And that will often be where you know we want to get at the data. It's not necessarily about we want to just bang our head against the perimeter of your network anymore. Um, there's no point if we can um, spoof. Um, a login page, get you to enter your credentials and just go straight into the cloud service and, and exfiltrate data that way, which then leads to, you know, a whole heap of further, um, you know, thoughts about uh, mobile effectively becoming um, a, a, a more of a, more like the rest of the endpoints once you start to reach the, the sort of service edge type model that, that we're starting to really see emerge this year. In terms of what have bad actors been doing during the pandemic, you know, they didn't all go home and put their feet up either. You know, we, we did see, um, for example, attacks starting to be targeted more at home routers. So a good example of, you know, looking for the, the, the soft underbelly or, you know, the, the weakest link in the chain. If you think about most people went home, they started using their home network, home broadband, and it was used as an enterprise line, if you like. Um, now, clearly, the security overlay on the traffic that, you, that any decent enterprise will be putting across that home network. But we are, um, it's been an interesting space in the market whereby um, home routers are one of the a real um, wild west, if you like, in terms of patching and security and updates compared to um, what you might expect if you were running a managed secure network yourself. Um, the, the, the realities are that most people are using a router that was provided by their ISP. It's sort of a varying vintage, could be anything up to you know a decade old, depending on how regularly you've changed or upgrade your broadband. Um, and th the idea then is that if, if you've got your nodes um, potentially sitting behind a router that is itself compromised, then you really are into some interesting scenarios where, you know, obviously you can be redirected to wherever bad actors would like you to go to. You might think you're going to a genuine site, but actually you're going to something in the middle. That That's clearly dangerous in and of itself. But what's also a follow-on from that is what happens when everyone comes back. Because for most organizations, they've still got some element of a private trusted zone in their network. All these laptops coming back to base and being plugged in for the first time or connecting to the corporate Wi-Fi for the first time, 
creates its own security challenges then as devices that have potentially been you know out in the wild for some time come back to come back to base as it were with problems that they're bringing back to base with them as a corollary to that the other aspect is the question of data protection so have we put enough in place to actually make sure that we understand which data are going where and what we need to do to make sure that they stay where they should be and don't go somewhere else this is a, a is a classic area where um, the newer technology um, sector, so the, the, the whole SASE conversation obviously started pre-pandemic and has been, you know, building momentum throughout. And obviously, you know, the security service edge is really now um, gathering steam in the market. I think there's some good news here when it comes to mobile, because the, the, the idea is obviously that um, a mobile is, is permanent, is, is forever really been an internet-connected endpoint that's designed to consume data and doesn't, like I say, respect the private network of old and this idea of you know moving to more of a service edge type model and wrapping the protection the security protection around the data itself means that mobiles start to inherit a lot of that protection for the first time rather than them being um, effectively the the, the the dirty little secret, if you like, that just didn't quite follow the rules. And it was almost like a, you know, a throwback to the days of, well, it's just an email device like a BlackBerry. Uh, and, and of course, the reality is that that's not been true for quite some time now. There's an awful lot you can do on a smartphone. You know, you know arguably, you can do more on a smartphone than than you can on a, on a PC in some ways. So I think... Um, this concept of the service edge and wrapping data um, security around data itself is going to be really, really powerful because it will apply everywhere then. And that will include mobiles. And, and for the first time, you will actually start to have unified security posture across everything, which is really the goal. And that would go beyond simply protecting data, then that could protect the integrity of the device itself. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think when, when you get into the, the integrity of the device itself, there, there, there are some realities that, that that need to be faced up to in the market, which is, um, you know, we, we, we always make the point here in Mobility that you wouldn't send a laptop out into the wild without, you know, a firewall and antivirus, if you like. You know, that's kind of been... Um, standard practice now for, for probably 20 years or more in terms of, you know, the, the perception of the risk of the, of the big bad internet um, and how much you have to protect that endpoint. Yet you're entirely comfortable with a, a mobile phone living there permanently um, and you don't think about it in quite the same way. The point we make here is one of, of just consider equivalency. The risks are substantial. The operating systems, whilst they are well-written, um, are ultimately able to be compromised. And unless you're actually deploying some level of technology solution to um, monitor those endpoints and deal with actual risks that are starting to be seen on the endpoint itself. So, for example, um, you know, exploits on the operating system or a massive surge in data coming off the device. Why has that happened? All these kind of security events could indicate you've got a problem on the device and, and you need to start thinking about protecting your data or indeed potentially just wiping that device and starting again. That, that kind of um, you know, mobile threat defense, mobile threat prevention has been around in the market for some time. And, and, and quite a lot of people have kind of shrugged and said, yeah, what's really the risk? To which the answer is, you don't know because you haven't actually deployed anything to tell you what's going on in your estate. But we always say you will when you deploy a technology like this, you will find all kinds of operational noise that you just didn't have a handle on until you actually had something that brought the data in for the first time. 
So what would your advice then be to a CISO or indeed other senior managers who are responsible for enterprise mobility or pushing applications and business data out to the mobile device? And how would they go about hardening that environment? For us, fundamentally, that the, there are the standard security controls that are out there in the market, which is you, you need to manage that device, you need to control it, you need to be very clear on what that device is allowed to be used for and what it isn't. And you should be using some level of um, capability in the operating system to segment corporate and personal data, assuming you're allowing that kind of dual persona on the device, most which is, is fairly common these days. And indeed, with Green Agenda, it's quite important that you're not being seen to be having your users with two phones in their pocket all the time, which doesn't look too great. But there's that side to it, that kind of managed secure. But then you also need an additional level of visibility in terms of what are they doing on the device? How do you protect that that user of the phone um, in terms of you know um, phishing, smishing type attacks? Um, and also how are you um, getting visibility and metrics on the um the operating system, the kind of traffic, uh, all that, all that good stuff, which is really where you, you know the MT, the mobile threat type engine of some sort is extremely important to have that as part of your armory now, and consider it an, a digital equivalent or a security equivalent of the desktop estate or laptop estate. You run a very real risk these days. That the, the simple fact is that, as is always the case, bad actors will will go for the weakest point in your armor and. Um, there's a real risk if you're not careful that mobile will be it. It's not just an email device anymore. It really is effectively just another endpoint on your network. Andy Brown there on the threats facing mobile devices and mobile infrastructure and some of the ways that we can counter them. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. We'll be back in two weeks' time when we'll be looking at denial of service attacks and why they continue to pose such a threat. You can listen to that episode from March the 30th. Meanwhile, you can catch up with past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk, and of course on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. 